What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm half of the podcast, Kevin Valentin. And I'm the other half of the podcast. My name is Kyle Dabrow. Kevin, what's going on, man? Bro, a lot. A lot has been going on. I'm pretty sure our fans have been wondering where the hell we've been. We've had a lot of technical issues on both sides between the rain and a lot of the, you know, issues on camera, audio, whatever. You, you want me to take this for a second? Because it, it is kind of more on, on my side. I mean, it's not really much of a blame. We've had yeah. shitty weather. I've had my power outages too, so it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, so just to kind of give you guys a little bit of an update to why we haven't really recorded in the last couple of days. Um, I've had a couple power outages in my area the last two weeks or so. I've been in this area for almost two years now, and up until maybe two weeks ago, we had maybe one power outage. And then the past two weeks, we've had two to three, and then maybe some power surges that come along with it. And I think the last power surge that we had, it cooked my modem and my router in my apartment. So I found that out on Saturday and we weren't able to, we were going to try to record on Sunday night. We tried to do the hotspot recording off of my phone and it, we were able to get some sort of, uh, zoom call working, but it just, it was not going to work out. There was going to be too many technical issues to record, but all of those have been settled. We got the modem and the router fixed this morning, so we're here. We're ready, ready to go. Kev, what's on the agenda for today, bro? So today we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of both conference finals. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks series. That is now tied at two apiece. Currently in the Western Conference Finals, we have a game six going on right now, the Clippers and the Suns. That is at 3-2 in favor of the Suns. We're going to get into the injuries that have unfortunately continued to plague the NBA postseason. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Trey Young are the latest additions to that list of injured superstars. We're going to get into the Chauncey Billups signing in Portland. He signed a five-year deal to be the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. And we're going to get into maybe the repercussions of what that hiring may do to that organization. Kyle is going to get into some of his uh, NHL playoffs. Uh, we're at the Stanley Cup. Currently, as it stands, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 1-0 in that series, and I know the game two is going on as we speak. And Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, that is still at a 0-0 stand in the second period, so we'll continue to keep you updated there. Yep. And I think there's another topic. Oh, of course. Um, sorry, I forgot. Somewhere in between that stance of the LA Clippers and the Phoenix Suns, uh, Kawhi Leonard, today there was a report that came out that... Uh, if the Clippers do make it to the NBA Finals, he will not be ruled out of a possible comeback. But he has been ruled out as far as uh, comeback in this series. So a lot to talk about. A whole lot of stuff going on around the NBA. A whole lot of stuff going on around the world. So, I mean, Kyle, with all of that you know, being said, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks played their game last night. And the series is now tied up at two apiece. Unfortunately, Trey Young was in, unable to play with the bone bruise that he suffered in Game 3. And Giannis Antetokounmpo ended up hyperextending his knee, I believe, in the third quarter or second quarter. I don't exactly know when that exactly was. But he was injured at some point in that game and did not return. So what I'm going to ask you is, with both players potentially being ruled out for the next game, again, there is no official ruling, um, how do you think this series is going to go without each team missing their best player? Well, the main thing is is that the role players are going to have to step up on both teams here just because when you look at their offenses, meaning the Bucks and the Hawks, Giannis is the main focal point for Milwaukee, and Trey is the focal point 
for the Hawks. So without Trey Young, I don't think this team would have been able to get out of the first round. And they've shocked me to get to this point in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And it's in large part due to Trey Young's effectiveness across the board for them offensively. Now that he's out of the lineup, though, in Game 4, you saw some role players step up in a huge way for the Hawks. Like, if I'm just looking down the box score here, you had Bogdanovich, he dropped 20. You had Lou Williams, he dropped 21. You had Clint Capella drop 15. Kevin Herter dropped 15. Even, I think I said Cam Reddish already, but he dropped 12. So, if they're going to get this production from their role players with Trey Young out of the lineup, it's going to bode well for them in the long term for the rest of the series. Now, with the Bucks, the Bucks looked like, to me, like they lost all the wind in their sails once Giannis left the game. They didn't really play that well in the first half in Game 4. I believe they only scored like 38 points as a team in the first half, and obviously it didn't improve that much in the second half once Giannis left the game. I mean, the Bucks only scored 88 points as a team in Game 4. And even in even if Giannis were playing in that game, if he didn't hyperextend his knee, I don't even think they would have even cracked 100 just because I don't even think that they were that effective from the field as a team. But, you know, when I look at the Bucks offensively, man, if they don't hit their shots, it's a struggle to watch them offensively. That's even if Chris Middleton and Giannis have good games on their own. It's just their role players, they're so hit and miss from the field, you don't really know what you're going to expect from those role players such as Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, Pat Connington. Like these guys can shine in specific moments, but it's not consistent enough. So obviously injuries have been a major focal point throughout most of the playoffs already. And it's proving itself once again in this series. But I mean, just looking at the way that both of these teams are going right now, the series is tied to two, but I would probably give the momentum a little bit to Atlanta because they showed me in game four that their role players are capable of stepping up without Trey in the lineup. And if Trey is able to come back at some point in the series, whether it's in game five or potentially game six, I'd have to give them a slight edge just because I don't know if Giannis is going to be able to come back from that knee injury. I know he didn't suffer any torn ACLs or he didn't suffer any torn ligaments in his knee, but it's really 50-50 with me if he comes back in this series at all. And if that's the case, I'm not really giving Milwaukee much of a shot here just because their offense is largely predicated to the success of what Giannis is able to bring to the team. I could not agree more. I mean, the fact that Giannis hyperextended his knee as bad as he did. Boogie Cousins, by the way, just had a 30-foot three-point shot to end the first quarter. Back-to-back threes for DeMarcus Cousins. Kind of crazy. Um, but to get back on track... Uh, I don't personally believe Giannis is going to come back this series. Again, I'm no doctor. I'm no trainer. I'm no medical expert. It just seems the significance of that injury was a lot more potent than Trey Young's bone bruise on the ankle, and which can be treated a lot easier to a certain extent. Trey tried to play in game four, but from what the trainer said and what reports were saying, that the pain was just too much, and he was kind of not immobile, but he wasn't mobile enough to play at an NBA level, and that would have hindered him, or should I say hindered the team, more than helped. So, again, both statuses, or should I say, both players' status for Game 5 is up in the air. Uh, I agree with Kyle completely. I think that if Atlanta's role players can continue to step up the way that they did, 
that is going to take precedence way more than the Bucks role players because we know that Chris Middleton can be an all-star in one game and then he can basically be a, an NBA bench player in another game. I mean, for God's sakes, the man had, what, what was he, 8 of 26 the other night and then 9 of 23 another night and then the other night, what was it, game three, he scored like 38 points. Mm-hmm. It was actually kind of insane. So Chris Middleton is the epitome of inconsistency, at least in this postseason right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo is definitely the focal point of the Bucks' total team as a whole. So I can see this series ending early because of injury, which is ironic because the Bucks got to Game 7 because of injuries to Brooklyn's team. So, I mean... Obviously, we'll get into the injury bug a little bit later as we you know, progress in the episode. But as a whole, I, I genuinely can't even give a prediction because I need to know what the hell's going on with Trey. I need, to go, I need to know what's going on with Giannis. And to me, I think the X factor is going to be Lou Williams for the Hawks because that was his first postseason career start. And he dropped like, what was it, 25-5-4 or 25-5-3? He, he, he dropped played, 21. He dropped 21. Tw- excuse me, excuse me, 21 that was incredible. That was his best game of the entire postseason. And, you know, Lemon Pepper Lou was able to carry the, the the torch for Trey to a certain extent. He is no Trey Young, but we all know Lou Williams can get buckets. So if Lou can continue to play at the pace that he was and the bench can continue to step up, I don't see Atlanta losing another game just because, like like Kyle said, the Bucks' offense is kind of a, a pain to watch, a struggle to see. And uh, I would not be surprised if Atlanta ends up going to the NBA Finals because of this injury to Giannis. So, with that said, I know we don't have a lot of information about Giannis's knee at this current point. We know that he didn't suffer any significant ligament damage from that injury in Game 4. But, you know, just to kind of put the spotlight on you here, if you had to make a prediction for Game 5 between the Bucks and the Hawks, who are you favoring in that matchup? Um, I'm going to lead towards Atlanta with or without Trey, just because I feel like the role players gained a different level of confidence, not only because they won, but because they were without their star and a player like Cam Reddish dropping 12 or 13, whatever the amount of points that he scored in that game. Um, someone who hasn't played a lot of minutes in this postseason, that's a massive confidence boost for someone who was a former first round pick, uh, to go out there and, and play meaningful minutes in a postseason game against a uh, a great opponent in the, in the Bucks, And again, I feel like the Bucks have an, a little bit more of an evenly distributed cast that can go out there and give you equal points versus the Bucks are going to really lean solely on Chris Middleton and Drew, excuse me, and Drew Holiday to go out there and put up points. Because outside of those two players, I don't see anybody else on that team that's going to be an offensive threat to you know really win or lose you should i say not lose because a lot of them can lose you a game but i don't see anybody that can go out there and win you a game necessarily brooke lopez hasn't been getting a lot of touches who's to say that's because of Giannis? i don't know but i mean clint capella is a formidable defender down low so i can't say that he's going to make a big impact pj tucker's not known for the offense he's known for sneakers and defense uh Coddington is an up-and-down role player. You know, we obviously saw Forbes take off in the first and second rounds and emerge himself as a decent role player. He had one incredible game and then kind of came back down to earth and he earned his minutes. But as a whole, like I said initially, I think that the Atlanta Hawks, with or without Trey, find a way to take Game 5. And if Trey Young does come back Game 5 or Game 6, I think Atlanta goes to the NBA Finals and gives Trey Young some time to heal. 
Yeah, I think the way that I see it here is I'm going to give a slight edge just to the Hawks because I think they're just they're going to be able to provide more of an offensive output than the Bucks. I mean, even if Giannis was in the lineup, they would have needed him, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday to put up a decent amount of points between all three of them. Now that Giannis is out of the lineup, it puts a lot more pressure on Chris and Drew to get it done. And when you combine that with the fact that the role players for Milwaukee has been so inconsistent, not only in this series, but in the playoffs to a larger extent, I just don't know if they're going to be able to generate enough offense to get past Atlanta here. When I look at Atlanta's offense, you have Lou Williams, you have Danilo Gallinari, you have Bogdanovich, you have Kevin Herter, you have John Collins and Clint Capella. All those guys are able to produce offensively for Atlanta. And unless Milwaukee makes this a very gritty defensive game, I just don't really see or give Milwaukee that much of a shot to win game five. Now, if they're able to do that, they're able to make it a little bit more grimy, a little bit more of a gritty performance. I think they definitely have a shot to win game five. But if I if I put money on it, I'm going to say Atlanta wins this one by maybe like five or ten points just because I think they're going to be able to put more points up on the board than I think Milwaukee can. I just think Milwaukee's going to really struggle offensively in this game without Giannis in the lineup. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, bro. It's it's kind of scary to know that certain players in this league as a whole have such an offensive, or should I say overall, impact to a team's performance. I mean, yeah. Giannis plays a critical part in the offense. He is somewhat of a defensive anchor on the other side of the basketball. Granted, he did receive a lot of criticism for not being able to guard Kevin Durant, but then again, who can? Um, it's a tough defensive So, assignment. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, it's like oil and water. Does it really make a difference who guards him at that point? I don't really, I don't really think so, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a professional analyst. So we do have another series that's going on currently right now in the Western conference. That is the Phoenix Suns and the LA Clippers. It's currently a battle right now with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. The Suns are up by five currently at a score of 40 to 35, but overall in this series, it seems like the Clippers may or may not be trying to take momentum back based off of their Game 4 performance. Or should I say Game 5 performance? My apologies. Poor George had a career night in terms of postseason. And I don't have the box score pulled up in front of me as I should, but I have been kind of like stuck on the game cast. So, Kyle, do you happen to have – wow, Sarich just made back-to-back threes. That's kind of crazy. Uh, this game may or may not be a shootout, guys. Just throwing that out there. Um Paul George went and had a crazy night. Reggie Jackson's had an incredible postseason. Devin Booker and Chris Paul continue to struggle. But I know specifically that that Paul George had one hell of a game, and it seems like he is turning more into playoff P once again and kind of getting rid of that pandemic P, aside from the free throw line percentage in the fourth quarter. So, Kyle, how many points did he have in that game again? He had 41 points. He had 13 rebounds and six assists. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he balled out. Balls out. So with that number kind of being in the air right now, that, that that focus point, do you see the Clippers finding a way to come back from a 3-1 deficit, ironically enough, losing to a 3-1 deficit this past postseason last year? It depends on if they could just have enough momentum in Game 6. I mean, they're playing at home, so I mean – as it currently stands, they're only down a couple points in the second quarter of the game. And the way that I see it, like 
let's say hypothetically they win game six. Let's just let's just say it just for the sake of the sake of the conversation. You know, Paul George is going to have to score probably at least thirty five points. Marcus Morris is probably going to have to chip in twenty, and Reggie Jackson is going to have to score like twenty five, and then they're going to have to get some sort of bench production, whether it's from Terrence Mann, whether it's from Demarcus Cousins, Luke Kennard. One of these guys are going to have to pop off in Game Six to get this to a Game Seven, and then if it gets to a Game Seven, it's anybody's game at that point. Now, if I'm being honest here, I thought Phoenix was going to wrap this up in five once they went up three one after Game Four. I really thought that it was pretty much over. But Paul George showed me that, hey, he is one of the best players that has played in these playoffs in the last month and a half or so. Now, granted, he's had he's had, he's had some misses. Obviously, at the free throw line, he's had his struggles in late game situations to knock down clutch free throws. But outside of that, I think he's been rather fantastic in this playoff series against Phoenix. So. It's really all dependent on Paul George here to really kind of carry the weight for the Clippers. Because the way that I see it is Reggie Jackson's doing his thing. Marcus Morris has been playing well. And when DeMarcus Cousins has been on the floor, he's providing effective minutes for the for the Clippers. He's here. the game's leading scorer right now. He's got 10. Yeah, so you know they're getting decent production across the board. It's just that Paul George is going to have to be that guy to carry the team because Kawhi's not going to be able to to play in this series. I don't expect him to come back for game seven. And, you know, the way that I see it, if the Clippers can get to a game seven, who knows? They could potentially come back from a 3-1 series if that's the case. And it would it would kind of almost be like coming around full circle for them just based off of the failure that they had last year when they were up 3-1 against the Nuggets. So I'm, I'm, I'm the dramatic one of the podcast, obviously, for those of you that watch you already know, but for those of you that may or may not be watching this for the first time, I'm the guy that makes bold takes. Um, I think if the Clippers win tonight, I think the series is over. I think that the Clippers will take a game seven because they are surging. Phoenix has got their back on the wall. Um, aside from Chris Paul, as me and Kyle have discussed, they've never been in a predicament like this before. They have relatively kind of rolled through the postseason with ease, whereas the Clippers have kind of basically won every series with a massive deficit to come back from. Every series they have been down 2-0, and they have found a way to come back and win their respective series, unfortunately, against my Mavs and against the Utah Jazz, the number one seed in the Western Conference and overall in the NBA. So I say if Paul George continues to carry on the way that he's going, I think that they will find a way to win this game. I'm not going to make a prediction as obviously as obviously the uh, the Suns are up by 10 in the second. Anything can change. It's, it's the NBA. But if the Clippers find a way to squeak this one out or even blow this one off the door, I think this puts massive confidence going back into Phoenix. I think that puts Phoenix in a very uncomfortable position. And I, I, I fully have LA in the driver's seat if this game ends up going final in the favor of the Clippers. However... Obviously, we know that the Clippers' other superstar, that is Kawhi Leonard, is out for the remainder of this series, at least according to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And there has come a report has surfaced uh, a couple of hours ago that the Clippers will not rule him out for the remainder of the playoffs. So if the Clippers win this series, the Clippers are refusing to rule him out for the finals. So, Kyle, I ask you, not only as a human being, but as a basketball fan, 
put your GM hat on and, you know, at the same time, try to take into consideration the future of Kawhi Leonard, but the status of the Clippers organization. Never won an NBA Finals. Kawhi Leonard could possibly walk in free agency. They have been mediocre thus far in the playoffs the last decade or so. If Kawhi is 80 or even 75%, do you put his injury or career in jeopardy to bring a title to the Clippers? I think so. I think it's worth it just because there's going to be a lot of uncertainty with Kawhi in the offseason. And let's say hypothetically the Clippers come back from a 3-1 deficit against Phoenix and get to the finals. So the way that I see it is Kawhi's knees have always kind of been a focal point to his injury history, whether it was with San Antonio, even in Toronto, it was kind of an issue that's kind of lingered throughout the entirety of his career. But if you're going for a title and the Clippers have been largely a model of ineptitude when it comes to the history of the franchise up until recently, I think you got to put all the money on the table. You got to push all your chips in and go for it because look, if the Clippers go out and potentially win an NBA finals this year, it could be enough to entice Kawhi to come back and stay for the long term with the Clippers. So, but it's dependent on whether or not that he is able to play. And personally, you know, I don't expect him coming back in this Phoenix series at all whatsoever. So it's really dependent on the role players for the Clippers to step up here and Paul George as well to show the NBA and the and Kawhi to a certain extent that, hey, we got a real shot at this. If we manage to get past Phoenix, which in, in my opinion, Phoenix is probably the favorite to not only get to the finals, but to win the finals at this point. That's a huge boost for Kawhi's overall psyche. And I think he's going to, I think he's already preparing to come back as soon as possible if the Clippers end up getting past Phoenix. And if, if they are in a situation where they get to the finals, oh, he's going to be, he's going to be playing in the finals. He will, he will be there. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but he will play. So my thing with this is it's, it's, I'm, I'm torn. And the only reason I say I'm torn is because we saw what happened to Kevin Durant a few seasons ago where he aggravated his calf and what we think is the Achilles at this point comes back in game four or five or six. I, I forget the exact, I think it was five against Toronto and he ruptures his Achilles. At this point, I'm thinking of the player as a, as a whole, as, as a human being, because that's what everybody is here. You know, yes, they're million dollar athletes. Yes, they're uh, above average at you know physical peak performance as as an as a human, but they are human beings, and I think that his health should be a little bit more in consideration. I think it should be Kawhi's decision overall as a whole, of course. I'm not going to sit here and say that if the if, if Steve Ballmer were to come right up to Kawhi Leonard and say, "I hear you're 75%, I need you to play." And if Kawhi says no, he's getting cut. You know what I'm saying? It's it's nothing like that. Overall, Kawhi makes a decision for Kawhi because it's his family, it's his future, it's his body. But I think that even if Kawhi is cleared due to the significance of the injury, we're not talking about a sprain, we're not talking about a shoulder being tight, we're not talking about a sprained ankle 
we're talking about a major ligament that can cause you to miss pretty much an entire NBA season. And with Kawhi looming in a contract year of his own choice, because it's a player option, not a team option, um, I think Kawhi needs to really think this through and say, is it worth it? Because if he's cleared, again, this these are all hypotheticals. This is all up in the air. This is just me and Kyle thinking out loud. None of this has been speculated or confirmed aside from the report that we discussed of they won't rule him out for next series. I'm not saying that that's game one, two, three. That could, shit, that could be game seven for all we know. The point is they don't want to rule him out for any participation in the next series. If Kawhi is available, if I'm in his shoes, I'm opting out, dude. Like, I have two chips. I have Defensive Player of the Year awards. I got All-Star appearances. I have Finals MVPs. I am in control of my contract to where I can opt in, I can heal, and I can come back, and I can do what I have to do. I get the athlete perspective of I don't want to leave my team. I don't want to put them in a predicament to play without me if I'm available. I get it. I really do. But people have to understand an ACL tear is not something that you can roll over, ice up, and play the next week. That's something that involves a major surgery, major rehabilitation. And some athletes don't ever return the same. Not everybody's an Adrian Peterson or a Kevin Durant. That, that could end up lingering. Like Kyle said, those are, these are knee injuries that have plagued him throughout his entire career. So if I'm looking at this from the outside looking in, or even from the inside looking in, once again, this is all hypothetical. I'm going to advise Kawhi against it just because the risk of him re-injuring that knee is too high. And for him to get hurt this late in the season, knowing that he may or may not come back the next season, if not, if he does, he's going to come back really, really late in the season. And who the hell knows what the Clippers end up doing next season. Um, I don't think it's worth it. You got to think about the future of your career. A lot of athletes and a lot of people are, you know, are money driven. You got to think about the bag. You, you have to secure that in any form of, or of way, and I don't think you need to put your body in that much jeopardy. Of course, I will circle back to the main point. It is Kawhi's decision, and if he chooses to play and he tears it, that's on him. But if he decides against it, people need to be a lot more understanding of, hey, I'm trying to play in this league for at least another five to seven years, and an ACL tear is not something that I want to be a part of this history or this path that I'm on. The Clippers have never won a championship. Kawhi's trying to win a, uh, a third championship with a third franchise. He's trying to bring one to the hometown of LA. I, trust me, I get all the narratives that come behind it. Load management is bullshit. Um, he gave up on the team. You got to put it all out there in the postseason. But again, it is a major part of the body that is not an easy recovery. And it doesn't guarantee that Kawhi will be Kawhi the next season if he, in fact, injures that ACL to the point that surgery ends up being required. But it could backfire on him because, let's just say hypothetically, if he's available or if he's even remotely close to some sort of playing status and he opts out of, of playing just because he's playing it for the long term, you know that could, that could be a point against him when it comes to contract negotiations down the road. Now, do I think it's going to you know, end up in a situation where he's going to really struggle to find a team if he's going to move on from the Clippers? No, no. He's going to be able to find a team very quickly. It's just, it kind of goes to this larger thing is, you know, I understand health is obviously of paramount here. But if they're, if they have a shot to get to the finals here, and let's just say hypothetically that they do, and he doesn't play 
and he is around maybe like 75, 80% and still doesn't, that is kind of a bad look on him because like, look, you're going for your, your third title. You're going for the Clippers first title in franchise history. And you put it off to the side for essentially positioning for your future, which I don't get me wrong. I fully understand that, but it's like, you know, the finals, that's where your money's made. You got, you got to show up in clutch moments and you got to show up in big moments. And look, if he doesn't feel healthy enough, then listen, he's just got to sit it out and then wait until next season. There's nothing more that I could say, say about that. But if there's a chance that he can play and he doesn't, I think that looks bad on his part. But what do I know? He's still going to get a major contract if he decides to dip from the Clippers and go to a different team. So it's not like a, I really, at the end of the day, I think it's a wash because if, yeah. he, does, if he does play and they lose, he's probably going to leave the Clippers or at least there's a higher likelihood that he'll leave the Clippers. And if he doesn't play whatsoever, I think he's already leaving LA at that point. So I'm going to disagree with you completely. I think the fact that the Clippers made it to this point without him shows the resilience of this team. It shows that Tyron Lue is a little bit more capable than initially anticipated. It depends on what he wants. If they, make, if they make it to the finals and he decides to sit out for health purposes, I don't see him leaving because they're in this predicament because of Paul George and they need the little bit of a boost that is Kawhi if he decides to play. That's if Granted, they, they have to get past Phoenix first, though. Of Of course. If the Clippers go down this path, let's just roll with this hypothetical. Let's say they make it to the finals. Let's say no matter who comes out of the Eastern Conference, both best players are going to be hurt. Obviously, the best player on the court is going to be Kawhi Leonard and and uh, and, and Trey Young or Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. At that point, they're at a point they're at a place they've never been. Mm-hmm. Who's to say they can't make that same run the next season if they keep the team together? Plus, it's a player option. So if he's hurt, there's no way he's opting out because that means he has to go through contract negotiations with another organization. So if he comes back, God forbid, knock on wood, black magic, whatever people believe in, if he tears that ACL, he's opting in. There's no way he's passing up the bag of whatever amount of money he's due up next season. If he doesn't play, I think he comes back again. I I, I think he comes back regardless because – the Clippers are in this predicament because playoff P, pandemic P, Paul George, George, George Paul, whatever name you want to call him, was able to carry the load. And it shows Kawhi, yo, with or without me, we were able to make it. We were capable of getting to this point. Why in the hell would I not want to come back to a team that was just in the finals? And if I played, who's to say we don't win a championship? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot that goes into this, whether they they, they they win, they lose, whatever it is. Mississippi State beats Vanderbilt in Game 3 of the College World Series for the first ever title in any sport. Congratulations to the University of Vanderbilt for winning the NCAA baseball tournament. Congratulations to them. Nice. Um, yeah. But to get back on topic, if LA loses, I think he leaves. So, you know. It's it's it's, it's If this series is make or break for him, him coming back or not, in my opinion, this right here... If they win, I think it comes back regardless. If they lose, I think it's a little bit more of a, well, we'll kind of play it by ear. You know, we'll see what happens and see what they do in the offseason. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. But I will say this. Paul George has played phenomenal in this postseason. I know he's had some yeah. some missteps here and there. Who doesn't? Obviously, it's come at, at bad moments in the game. But, look, Paul George is, is basically the reason why 
that Phoenix is not Phoenix. That the Clippers are still in this series against Phoenix. So, you know, I think it's definitely going to be something to consider for Kawhi this offseason. Is Paul George somebody to team up with for the foreseeable future? Obviously, we'll find out during this offseason. But based off of this year's postseason play, I would say it's 50-50 for me. I still am of the mindset that I think Kawhi is going to leave. But who knows? I'm not... I'm not having those one-on-one discussions. You know, I don't know the internal discussions that they're having as a team, as both Kawhi and Paul George are having. I don't even think they're really focused on that right now. I think they're just focused on trying to... Well, for, first of all, Kawhi's just trying to get back on the court as soon as possible. And Paul George is just trying to go out there and win it for the Clippers. That's really, I think, their main focus is right now. But yeah. the offseason is going to be very interesting for Kawhi. I'm definitely going to be interested in how it goes this offseason for him. Yeah, I mean, the offseason is going to contain a lot of interesting narratives, uh, acquisitions, moves. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is amongst a lot of them. But a big one that's continuing to circulate right now currently in the NBA is Damian Lillard's future with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Kyle, Chauncey Billups has been not awarded, but has been chosen to become the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers for the foreseeable future. He signed a five-year deal. Um as far as Kyle and I are concerned or are aware of, there are no details to the full extent of Con- Chauncey's uh, contract. But, Kyle, I pose this question to you. Do you think that the signing of Chauncey Billups is going to affect the Portland Trailblazers in a positive way or in a negative way? It's kind of tough for me because there's a lot of unknowns at this point. But based off of the information that I have so far is that Damian Lillard was not too thrilled about the signing of Chauncey Billups at a head coaching position. If I looked at the reports right, it seemed to me that Lillard was more inclined to bring Jason Kidd on board as the head coach for the Portland Trailblazers. But Jason Kidd went to Dallas to fill in that head coaching vacancy for the Mavericks. Now with that said though, I can't really say much about Chauncey Billups here because He's largely been an assistant in his coaching in his short coaching career so far. And it's going to be interesting to see how he builds this team in the offseason because this team has had mild playoff success, but they've come short the last couple seasons. And I think that this team, with the star power that they have in Damian Lillard, can be potentially a top-four team in the Western Conference if they add some decent pieces around Lillard it's just the problem that I see with the team overall is that their defense is atrocious don't get me wrong the offense could score at will because Damian could put up 50 like it's nothing and we kind of have to see whether or not that Chauncey tries to bring in maybe some more defensive help to kind of build a better well-rounded team as far as building a better defense goes but that's pretty much the most that I could say about Chauncey. The, really, Chauncey's not the focus here. It is Dame. And Dame is... It, it's up in the air whether or not he stays in Portland. I know, obviously, like I mentioned, that Kidd was probably his personal choice for the head coach. Look, could Dame give Chauncey a chance to kind of see what kind of system or what type of mentality he brings to the team? Sure, I think, I think Dame might be open to that, but... You know, if you're looking at the Trailblazers here, 
their main focus is making sure that Dame is the focal point of the team for the foreseeable future. And they better hope and they better give some they better give Dame some assurances that we are gonna bring a championship type of a championship type mentality to this team with a Chauncey signing. Because if it's anything short than that anything short of that, I think Dame could be in a situation where it was like, you know what? I spent so much time here. I've given this city my heart, my soul, my blood, sweat, and tears. And it just hasn't resulted in anything positive as far as going for an NBA title goes. So there's a lot of unknowns with Portland right now. And could Dame stay? I think he will. But there are growing rumors that he's frustrated. And to be quite honest with you, I can't really blame him. So... I'll say this. I'm not going to rule out the possibility that Dame could be out of Portland going into next season. I can't rule that out at this point. Sorry. Had to get a drink because what I'm about to say is another another hot take coming in quick, right? I think that this Chauncey Billups signing is going to cause a chain of events. Once again, this is going to find a way to circle into my, my, my Dallas Mavericks, not because of me, but because of the internet and all the rumors and all the speculation and bullshit, right? Obviously, Damian Lillard is the, the heart and the soul that is the Portland Trailblazers, right? That They live and die with his performance and his production. The man said, and I quote, I want Jason Kidd to be my next head coach. Jason Kidd declined the opportunity to even interview for it. And he took his name out of the hat and said, I'm content where I'm at. Turns out the Mavericks offered him a position. He ends up getting hired. Nico Harrison gets hired. That's what's going on in Dallas, right? Today, the center of the Portland Trailblazers, or yesterday, I can't remember when I read that. I'm pretty sure it was today. Uh, Jurkic said in a report, in an interview, if Damian Lillard leaves, he's leaving too. Now, once again, another speculation is that there are multiple teams with the recent performance of Carmelo Anthony in the last two years since he's returned to the NBA or returned to the spotlight that he deserves, that there are his interests circulating, circulating his availability. He leads the second unit. Damian Lillard is the star. Nurkic is the focal point in the middle of the court. If you see where I'm going with this, if Dame isn't happy, Nurkic is leaving. If the two of them find a way to leave or if they do not remain with the team, there's no reason for Carmelo Anthony to come back to a losing team. And then at that point, if they leave, I see C.J. McCollum requesting a trade because there's no point in him being the number one of a tanking and rebuilding team. So in other words, Chauncey's experience in the playoffs, Chauncey being one of the most clutchest players in recent memory in the postseason, could help take Dame's level – take Dame to another level as a, a, a veteran point guard in the league. Maybe his insight could give him something different on the court that other coaches weren't able to give. But like Kyle said, the issue isn't the offense. It's the defense. One second. Sabo. Sorry, guys. I took the cone off my dog for about 30 minutes to give him a little bit of space. He recently got neutered. I'm trying to put it back on his head because now he's disappeared to the point where I can't see him. So I got to put it back on his head. Come here. So, as I was saying with Damian Lillard, um, 
there's no guarantee that the man is going to return to Portland based off of just the coaching scenario, right? So I'm going to throw something out there. There's a lot of reports out there in, in Mavericks Twitter, for those of you that are unaware, that because of the signing of Jason Kidd and because of Damian Lillard's frustration, Damian Lillard's frustration with the organization, he may or may not consider leaving Portland. So there's a lot of people saying, well, then the head coach is there. You have Luka Doncic. You have somewhat of whatever's left of Kristaps Porzingis mentally. Why not? Go and join the Dallas Mavericks. You get the coach you want. You get the the additional superstar that that CJ McCollum was unable to to be, and you build a team in Dallas, and you go and compete there. So, I don't agree with this. I think this is foolish as a Mavericks fan. I don't want this for a number of reasons. First and foremost, the man's contract is absolutely insane, and there is absolutely no reason we need to go and absorb that contract. Mm-hmm. Second. To acquire a player of Damien's capabilities, Damien's talent, whatever, we're going to have to give up everything we have from draft picks to players to capital. Everything we have, we're going to have to go and shell out to Portland to get Dame here. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Tyree. If we have, if, if Damien leaves Portland, whatever team that tries to acquire him is going to have to give up everything they have to try to get him on that team. Mm-hmm. Reason, main reason number two or two B is Luca's ball dominant. Damian Lillard's ball dominant. Yeah. Last shot, egos, veteran leadership. They both play point guard. They both play on the ball. You see where I'm going with this, Kyle? To me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense simply just because I just don't think, first of all, I don't think Dallas has enough trade capital to give Portland. I just don't see it. I don't either. So, you know, unless they would have to swap Luka and Dame, and I just don't foresee that happening. So, I mean, the way that I see it, you know, there's going to have to be some team that's going to be willing to shell out a bunch of draft picks and some players to bring in someone like Dame. Dame is, you know, a top 10 player. One of the best players in this league. He's a top 10 player in this league. Arguably top five. So, you know, I don't think it's really within Dallas' best interest to mortgage, basically get rid of their entire team, except for Luka, to go get Dane. I just don't see it. And to absorb that contract, like you mentioned, you would have Luka and Dane absorbing the majority of the cap on the team because, I mean, look, Luka's going to sign that long-term extension at, at some point. hope so. So... The way that I see it is, you know, I think Dame should wait this out. Dame's going to see how this offseason goes. And, look, I think the best thing that they could do as far as Portland goes is to try to bolster up some defensive presence on this team because their defense has been lacking the last couple years. And that's despite having Dame one of the best prolific scorers in the league. But defensively, they are weak. And I think you're going to have to start looking at C.J. McCollum. You know, is he really the second guy that they need around Dame? And look, he's had some moments here and there, but he's been wildly inconsistent in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I think CJ is a good player in this league, but I don't know if he's capable of what Portland needs to bring a title for the Trailblazers. No. And, you know, like I said, it, it 
it, this is all speculation, guys. We do not have any facts here uh, to support that these rumors are circulating that are that are fact or, or incorrect. We're just sitting here giving you guys our opinion of what can or cannot happen in the postseason and the offseason for the NBA. So if Dame signs back with Portland and all is well and Chauncey Billups ends up leading them to, the, to, to a title, congratulations to them. Kyle and I aren't saying it's impossible. But, you know, like any any reporter, any analyst, any podcast, you kind of want to stir up what's already existing and you want to throw out hypotheticals and potential scenarios. So that's just what we're doing here. You know, we just want to kind of see what other people think. We want to give our feedback of what we think has been happening over the last week. I mean, Kyle and I basically haven't recorded in a week. So there is a lot to talk about in the NBA in that regard. But outside of that, we are at the end of one particular sport. We are at the pinnacle we are at the the heaven's gate, if you will, of championship pedigree. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are three games away for repeating as Stanley Cup champions. Mm-hmm. They are going currently against the Montreal Canadiens in a, in, a, in a series, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they should be in the third period by now. Yep. And the third. What, what is the score of that game? So currently right now, after two periods, the, Lightnings are, the Lightning are up two to one. So then, Kyle, as a Lightning fan, as a hockey enthusiast, at least as far as the podcast is concerned, because I'd love to watch it, but I always forget that it's even on. Um, I also don't have cable, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Do you think the Lightning have the ability to repeat here as champions, and can they dominate the Canadians for the remainder of the series? Yeah, I I think so. Because when I look at the Lightning overall as a team, you know, from first line down to the fourth line, they are just deep at every line. And the one thing that I will say though, is, you know, obviously you have some great playmakers and Steven Stamkos, Braden point, Nikita Kucherov, but these guys on the bottom end of the roster, talking specifically about the third and fourth lines here, they've been playing outstanding. I mean, just in game two so far, you've had Anthony Sorelli and Blake Coleman both score so far in game two. And in game one, the first couple goals that the Lightning scored did not come from the first and second line. It came from the third and fourth line. So it shows to me that overall, the Lightning have a much more deeper roster than the Canadians do. But I have to respect Montreal here in this sense. Is that Montreal was one of these teams that was down 3-1 in their first playoff series. They, they barely got in to begin with to get into the playoffs, but they have made the most of it and they've beaten some very good teams on the way with it culminating against beating the Vegas Knights in six games. So I think when I look at the Canadians though, I think they're just running into a situation where they're going up against a much more experienced team because when I look at the Canadians, the Canadians are a very young team and they've been on a huge hot streak the last month or so. But I think they're going to run into a wall here. And I think they're going to be competitive when this series does transition back to Montreal for games three and four. But the way that I currently see it is I just think it's too much for Montreal to overcome. You know, you're going up against Andre Vasilevsky, who's one of the best goaltenders in the league. He's been one of the best goaltenders in the last three to four years, as far as I'm concerned. So, it's tough 
you're you're going up against a Lightning team that can score and they can play defense. And the one thing that the Lightning have shown throughout these playoffs is that they can win a multitude of ways. If they would need to score five goals, they can. They did that in game one. And yet, they can win these defensive battles and come out victorious. Because in game seven against the Islanders, they won one nothing, And that's all they needed to get to the Stanley Cup. So, I just, I, I think veteran leadership is so crucial here. And I just think when I look at the Lightning overall as a, as a team and the roster that they've constructed, I think they've got it. It would really shock me if the Canadians came back and took control of the series to the point where they win the Stanley Cup. Granted, we're only in game two, so you know a lot is left to be determined. But from what I've seen so far, the Lightning have been the better team. And it would not surprise me if the Lightning do go back to back in winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, repeating at any sport is a difficult task, no matter who you ask. So for the Lightning to go through the gauntlet of last year's COVID protocols and and, and their bubble or however it is that the NHL managed that and win through all of those trials and tribulations and then to come back into a full season, full circle, and then do it all over again, I mean, kudos to them if they do nobody's going to sit here and rule out that, it, uh, you know, that the Canadians could come back. There's an entire period just for game two alone. And we do have a long way to go for this series to go final. But with Kyle being a, a Tampa fan, I did want to ask his opinion. And again, you know, me not being as hockey savvy and aware of what is going on. I just thought I'd ask and kind of transition it into that question. But overall guys, uh, we, again, we do apologize for being out of contacts and c- contact and out of the whack. Kyle wants to take the brunt of it. So be it. This is a full 50%, you know, blame. I could have put out an episode. I could have put out some form of contact. So I will, again, not take, I won't let my partner shoulder this all by himself. I could have done my due diligence to help him out in some form of way. I mean, we tried, uh, we, tr- we, we tried, I mean, we tried to do, yeah, the, the, I tried to get something going off at the hotspot off my phone. I mean, we could have gotten something out, but obviously the quality would have not been there. And we don't want to put out an inferior product when it comes to releasing our episodes because the audio would have been choppy. The video would have been choppy on YouTube. It, it would have been a mess. So it would have been more trouble for what it's worth had we tried to do some sort of recording with the technical difficulties that we were having. But those have been resolved. Those have been fixed. So that should not and be. And those have been upgraded. Guys, we are working on a brand new program right now. Kyle has upgraded the technical portion of the Neighborhood Podcast as a whole. We're running some different programs. We're running on a different platform. So hopefully tomorrow when you see the videos, audio will be a little clearer. Probably on Kyle's side more than mine, obviously. We're still working on the microphone portion of it. You know, we're getting there. Just got a new job and whatnot. Trying to get the finances in order. You feel me? It's still a, it's still a lifestyle I got to live. Um, but, you know, visually... Uh, the camera portion and the quality of each video should be a lot better. Uh, we're going to transition to a couple of different things and upgradings uh, going forward. The logo is being finalized by by my girlfriend. Again, I know I keep saying it every week, but I talk to her about, about it on a pretty much like every other day basis. She just wants to make sure that the final three drafts are ready for us so that we can make those decisions, implement that, insert it into the final portion. But guys, the upgrades are happening. The steps are going into the places that we need them to be. 
the, the, the content's here. Kyle and I are here, and we're here to give you A-plus content every single night. Again, we're not Stephen A. Smith. We're not, you know, just Joe Rogan putting out the best content in the world in terms of, you know, podcast quality, but we're here. We love what we do. We love talking to you guys. We love hearing from you guys. We, we, we love talking about sports. It's just a hobby of ours. That, again, I tell you this every month. We used to do this on the phone, bullshitting for an hour to two hours every other week. And now we're doing it to the point where we're expressing our opinions to the audience, to you guys. So we just want to say again, thank you for every ounce of your support all the way through. We're almost coming up to a year of the Neighborhood Podcast existing. You know, we're getting there. You know, I know we're a couple months away, but the consistency of our, our dedication and our hard work and Kyle consistently upgrading the tech portion of this is, is, is vital. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And this is only this is only early steps from here, man. We're only going to get better. Oh, yeah. So obviously, just if you guys aren't aware, like what I'm trying to do as far as the, the technical side goes is just when it comes to the YouTube portion of things, you know, it's not going to be we'll still have the split screen option on the videos. It's just that what you see on Kevin's camera and, and my webcam is you will see a much more well-defined picture on YouTube. There, there's not going to be like this huge black background in our YouTube videos anymore. It, it will encompass basically the entire background behind me and the background behind Kevin. So, you know, Granted, I, I got to get better at like transitioning, like when it comes to, you know, when I talk, when Kevin talks. So there, there will definitely be some, I guess, some growing pains in that sense, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work best when it comes to how we um, flip back and forth between different camera angles on our episodes. But those will be worked out over time. So just kind of stay patient with us on that one. But yeah, I'm, exci- yeah, no. I'm, ex- I'm excited with, um, with where things are going and, um, the future is going to look pretty good, you know, as far as, you know, what we got, what we're able to bring to you guys. Hey man, as long as we having fun, as long as the numbers continue to show that the statistical portion, statistical portion that they have been over the last couple of months, there's no reason why we can't excel, grow and develop over the next couple of years. So, you know, we're here doing this for, 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 for our sake and for yours, but we do love doing what we do. And again, we wouldn't be here without the support of our, of, of our dedicated and loyal fans. I know it sounds kind of funny and silly because we're only at 174 subscribers, but there have been people that have been watching and monitoring each of our individual podcasts from the beginning and since we've come together for the Neighborhood Podcast. So to you guys from day one, shout out to all of the people that have been there from the very beginning and in the trenches with us. And then to anybody that is new you know, like our videos, comment, subscribe, anything you guys want to see from us, please let us know. We are very, very critical of our craft and we only want to develop and get better as time goes on. So please, for those analytical guys, for those people that want to hear more numbers and statistics, let us know. For those that just want to give their their hot takes on what it is that we say, please, we will respond in the comments. We have nothing to shy away from. And we understand that not everybody's going to agree with everything we say. So it's expected. It's sports. Things get hot and heavy really quick, and then sometimes comments are silly. So it is what it is. But again, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, from mine to Kyle's. We really appreciate everything, and there's so much more to come, bro. Yeah, I mean, for next week, Kev, we're we're talking about the NBA Finals here. And we're going to talk about the continuation of the Stanley Cup as well, too. So, 
you know, we're getting to the point where like we're we're getting towards the end of uh, the NBA season. We're basically getting to the end of the hockey season as well in the NHL. And Kevin, you know what that means? We got the Olympics coming in the middle of July, and then we got football after after that. So. Mini camp start, boy, the 26th, 27th, baby. Let's get it. Let's yeah. go. We're we going to be here, bro. We're going to be here. We're in this for the long haul, ladies and gentlemen. We, we this, the, the curve is going this way. We don't want none of this. We don't want none of this. We're going here. So everybody pay attention when the Neighborhood Podcast hit that point of no return because we up at the sky, bro. You know how y'all said Dodge Coin or Doge Coin, however you pronounce it, to the moon? In the neighborhood podcast out there going to Pluto, bitch. I know that ain't no damn planet no more, but shit, we going that far. But I heard that, bro. I heard that. That's that confidence, you feel I me? That's that New York swagger, you feel me? We out here. I feel you. But with that said, you guys, that'll wrap it up that'll wrap it up from here. Once again, like Kevin stated, appreciate the support wherever we can get it. And we will see you guys around next week for another episode. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.